Hello, it's Joanna Lumley here. And before we start this podcast, I wanted to take a moment to tell you about the Actors Benevolent Fund, which is here to support actors and stage managers in times of illness, injury, old age, and financial hardship. This industry can be wonderful, but it can also be challenging. And the ABF is here to help by offering grants in times of need and by providing a sense of community. If you're in the position to help support others in our industry, or if you need support yourself, you can find details of how to contact the ABF, as well as ways of keeping up to date with developments via social media, in the show notes of this episode. Meanwhile, why not become a member, which you can do through the ABF website. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to the ABF podcast, where each week we invite special guests to talk to us about challenges they faced in the theatre and TV industry, from dealing with performance anxiety to rejection to coping with ageing and questions around our identity. Sat alongside them each week, we have coaches and therapists to help unpack the subject and offer practical advice. My name is Hannah Whittingham and I will be your host. In today's episode, we're chatting to Giles Torreira, MBE, and Marilyn Cutts about identity. Giles is probably best known for originating the role of Aaron Burr in the London cast of Hamilton, for which he won an Olivier Award. He is an actor, a musician, and a filmmaker with a career that spans from Shakespeare through documentary making to CBBC. Marilyn Cutts is an actor and a singer whose career spans film, musical theatre, soap, TV and comedy. She was in the original lineup of Fascinating Aida and is currently starring in Crazy For You at the West End. And don't turn off too soon because we are also joined at the end of the episode once again by therapist and counsellor Fiona Macbeth, who will be adding in her thoughts on the subject. So I want to look at the issue of identity from three main angles, the way identity can be forced on you by others in the industry, the difficulty of holding on to a constant sense of self when you're moving about so much, and also the difficulties around identifying as an actor and what then happens when you have periods of being out of work, for instance. So first of all, there are so many ways you can be pigeonholed as an actor, whether that's as a type of actor or an actor that suits a particular genre. Um, And to a certain extent, actors are encouraged to pigeonhole themselves as well, so that somebody in casting can easily see what box they go in. You two, I cannot think of anyone less pigeonholed (laughs) than the two of you and your different careers. Uh, So Giles, I'm going to start with you. Um, I did a little Google to see what the internet tried to Uh identify you as (laughs) before we started. And it came up with Giles Trera, MBE, genres, theatre, musical theatre, cabaret, jazz, gospel, blues, acoustic folk, folk rock, actor, filmmaker, director, musician, composer, vocalist, guitarist, and pianist. <laughs> Which, no, that sounds like when you leave drama That's, school and you kind of put everything down. You, do, you can't do anything, but you put everything down. I mean, it does look a bit like a spotlight yeah. other skills. Uh, yeah, other but skills. no, that's Juggling. Wikipedia. That's what, that's what Wikipedia says you are. Um, so my first question okay. is, when you did come out of drama school, writing all those things down, what sort of actor did you think you were going to be? What sort of work did you think you were going to do? And has that been what you have done? I have, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is brilliant to be in the same room as other, humans. other human beings. It's <laughs> fantastic from the last couple of years of doing this. I, um, I, okay, I didn't have any experience of being 
of theatre at all. My mum used to take us to, I didn't grow up in London, I grew up just outside of London, Hertfordshire, so my mum used to take us to the pantomime every Christmas. Apart from that, I never went to the theatre. She was a single mum, so we couldn't really, we couldn't afford to come to London or go to the theatre or anything. But we we go to movies occasionally. So when I went to drama school, I, my idea of acting was very much uh, screen based. Mm-hmm. I loved movies. I loved television of all kinds. Um and I loved music. So I kind of, my, my, my you know, music documentaries and, and, and programs about the people that I was really interested in. So my main thing when I came to London was like screen. And it was then when I was at drama school. Uh, so by the time I left drama school, I hadn't been into the West End. I hadn't seen a, a, a play in the West wow. End. I didn't know. My, my first job was at the National. I hadn't been to the National before I auditioned there. I'd never been to the Royal Shakespeare Company, never been to Stratford. I'd no, I'd never been to the West End plays. I'd never seen a few musicals. Um, but I was, I had no knowledge really about um, what theatre was. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I started training and as soon as I started working, I then discovered, oh, this is what I really like doing. Right. So in a way, I was a kind of blank canvas. Mm. Lots of, everyone else seemed to have... Um, been to the theatre, they'd got taken to Stratford-upon-Avon, they knew who this was and who Pinter was and who Beck was. They knew everything and I knew nothing really. So mm. um, in a way now looking back, I think actually that was quite fortuitous because it meant that even now, 25 years later, I always feel like I'm catching up yeah. and I'm, I'm kind of, um, uh, I'm curious to learn stuff. So I'm mm. all, the, the thing I love about acting is, is, learning stuff i mean we just had a conversation before about projects that we're doing different periods in history i love that so when i left drama school what kind of actor did um i want to be i just wanted to i never really saw myself as an actor okay interesting (laughs) (laughs) i saw myself as a storyteller okay that's what i would see myself that was what i'd call myself as a storyteller because I started out in music, so right. I was in bands and stuff. So for me, there's no difference between music and movement and mm-hmm. spoken word. They're all the same thing. And also culturally, the tradition I come from, in African tradition, there's no difference at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're creatively expressing yourself, music and movement and dance is all the same thing. Um, so that's, that's where my head was at when I was mm. at drama school, and I never really felt... Um, the, the the pigeonhole yeah compartmentalization yeah. That, that that is definitely there did did other people try to do that to you i was re- i was always really encouraged to explore lots of different things so you read a few things out on there and i was mm. always really encouraged to explore music so i asked in the third year to be in the uh, shakespeare and our head of acting said yes and you write music as well so you got to write the music for the songs oh wow in it was as you like it and then we did a devised thing in the third year as well, which ended up being a musical. So we said, you've got to write that, write the music for that. So I was encouraged to do that. Oh, nice. Two things though. One was, again, in the third year, we had um, we had sort of mock auditions. And in one of the auditions, we had professionals invited to come in and we'd do, go in and do the audition for them and they'd critique us as if it were out in the profession. And uh, I did to be or not to be, 
because that's what I wanted to do. And the guy said, who was not, he was he was not um, one of the teachers. He was someone who's brought in from outside. I yeah. must stress that. Yeah. Um, he was like, okay, well, it was good, um, but you're not. You're probably not going to be playing Hamlet. Right. So we need to find something else, you know, for you mm. to do. So um, that immediately was like, in, in, the, in, in the first instance, I was a bit kind of struck, taken yeah. aback by it. And then afterwards, outside the room, I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? If I want to do Hamlet, I'll do Hamlet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so even then I was like, okay, I was aware of, of how wrong that was. Mm. But I think the key thing for us as actors or storytellers is to have a really strong sense of identity who you are yeah and at that point I kind of did I was like well I'll do things that I kind of yeah you know, I want to do so I left and my first audi- one of my first auditions was at the national and I mm. I did to be or not to be and got the job wow so <clears throat> for me it was a it was a big lesson I mean like just yeah. you know focus on what you want to do what other people what other people want you to do is you you are at the mercy of aren't you to, to to a certain extent but if you have if you in the first instance have a really clear idea about who you are and what you want to do mm. that's the, the starting point it's tough i don't know what yeah your, Marilyn, your experience so, that was. same two questions to you what what did you think your career was going to be what sort of career was it when you started and has it ended up that way um i thought uh that i would be doing Shakespeare, Ibsen and Chekhov, and it hasn't ended up like that at all. Because <laughs> um, I did a postgraduate diploma in drama, which was mm. just a year, and I was told then, well, you, um, you're a bit short to be a juve lead, uh, and you'll come into your own in your mid-30s. Oh, lovely. Um, How old were you at the time? I was about 24. Lovely, just what you want. Tw- Good. No, I was younger than that, 23, I suppose. Um and my first job was in TIE, and then I understudied on a tour of Godspell and realised that I could sing a bit, but I'd have to work on it. Um, I'd done... Uh, and, yes, this is the other thing that happened then. Um, I was very... I wasn't fitting in. Mm. And I remember going to the theatre doctor in York, who was a very wise grey-haired woman um and she said well you see my dear after we chatted for a bit you've got one silk stocking and one blue one and um I could absolutely identify with that I have got an academic side to my mind and then I've got the ta-da yeah and Mm. I hadn't sought I when she put it like that I thought yes that's me I'll accept that I'll accept that I've got those two areas so don't try and make one superior to the other Mm. just accept it so I did um I had found it quite hard to to accept that musicals was the way I was going to go Mm. uh, because that wasn't where my head or I think necessarily my heart was um but then I realized that I could make a living doing that and that's a great eye-opener so mm. I thought right I'm getting work doing this I'll do this yeah um and then when straight plays came along sadly never a check off um <laughs> I was very happy to do that one of the things that struck me about what you just said is that is accepting what it is that um you are or at least you know 
what you give off as a as a mm. performer, what your strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. a really important thing as a, as a as a performer or as a creative person. Anyway, you have to kind of you have to know these. This is what I'm really good at. This is what yeah. I'm pretty good at. This is what I'm okay at. This is what I'm not so good at. And and really, then you then you know what you can work on. And then um, when if you get rejection, for instance, if you don't get a job, you can say, well, okay, I did my best at that. Um, they saw everything that they, you know, that I could offer. And therefore um, it's not necessarily a, a kind of um, reflection of me as a person. It's just, mm-hmm. that is what my skill is. That is what my strength is. Yeah. I think it's kind of important to be able to then navigate your way through. Everyone's going to have an opinion, producers and casting directors, and and you have to be able to have a strong sense of who you are and what your strengths and weaknesses are to be able to navigate that, I find. Mm. I'm quite good at accents. Mm. And I could count the the sh- number of parts where I've been able to use my own voice on one hand. That's using a skill, but also in a way, maybe that's pigeonholed me. I sometimes mm. think if I could have done um, more Shakespeare and stuff where I was able to speak as me, mm. because one's voice is, that's you, isn't it, mm. coming out? Yeah. And mm. I've those parts have been pretty non-existent from my point of view. But that's okay because I'm basically very shy, so I'm happy hiding hiding me and doing something else. But I'm also interested with you, Marilyn, having had such a long career, have you found that the the thing that you are seen as being has changed quite significantly throughout that and in in what way? (laughs) No, serviceable. I'm serviceable, <laughs> and that hasn't changed. You know, put an opinion out, it comes. What what has changed? Uh, because it, I've been have my equity card for nearly fifty years now. Wow! Um, is of course I did <laughs> yes, do the the Juvelead things when I started, although I wasn't necessarily their first choice. Um, and so, yeah, it's like sometime put it. First you're another slow-white vamp, then someone's mother, then your camp. That's me. Now I'm I do. So camp. happy we got to do that, Madeline. <laughs> Didn't know you were going to get that for your money. So thrilled. <laughs> but that's as one gets older. That's another aspect mm. of identity. Yeah. Because it's it's very easy to think I am. And, and very seductive to think I am this beautiful, attractive character that people are going to fall in love with. And then when you hit 40 and in real life you start becoming just that bit invisible, mm. um, it's, you know, you'd better have a pretty solid sense of who you are, otherwise you could end up with serious problems. Yeah. Um, and I, the one thing I have found interesting about that journey is that instead of, um, and I know there's a, a special test for this, isn't there, in, in, in screenplays, you know, how many women's roles mm. are there in this yeah. that, that are not connected with a man, um, that when you get away from those juvelied roles that are mm. invariably, uh, there's a great deal of romance attached to them, you start having other things to think about. Mm. Um, you know, you can, um, it's a different kind of love if you're a parent or if you're a business person, or if you, you know, if if you're a if you're farming and the farm's gone under and all that stuff, it's it's the roles get more interesting. I have to say because yeah. 
just because the way that things have been written in the past, um, that's the way that women have been perceived, not necessarily now, thank heavens. Mm. Um, so I'd say the parts get more interesting because they get more complex. That's really heartening, I think, for, you know, there's there's such a perception that roles dwindle so much the older you get, particularly for women on screen, I think. Well, and it's so, a great example of why you need to... Um, make sure you have a strong relationship with who you are as a person because when you get to play that part but you've lived a rich full mm. life varied life which means that you're able to bring that whereas if you live life for what other people want then to the detriment of yourself you're missing out because that's what you're bringing to that's yeah. what you're bringing to your roles and your parts yeah i mean we'll touch on this a little bit later but but i'm also curious to know what both of you think about uh, actors who go from, I mean, to be fair, both of you are sort of like this anyway, but actors who go from one job to another seamlessly and don't have much experience outside of the acting world and whether there is an argument to be made that being out of work is really useful as an actor because you have other experiences. I think it's incredibly important because mm. one thing, it makes you realise how privileged you are to do something that you love when some people are just trying to, you know, earn enough to pay the rent. Mm. Um and you, you, well, it's just meeting people outside the business mm. with different attitudes. It's also, it's fun and you learn about stuff mm. and different things. And, mm. and, and you obviously love research and yeah. that's it. It's, it's seeing all those other areas, not just a, a load of people talking about a script in a room. In theatre you're or on stage or on screen, you are playing interesting people, interesting lives at the most crunchy complex part of their existence that's what we see when we see plays people in the most interesting bits of their life so you need to bring stuff to that you need to bring stuff into the room i think it's really important to have uh, a life outside of theater i don't know what they always used to say and my i have had two agents and both of them have said the same thing which is you need to have a life outside of the theater yeah because there's gonna be times when you're not working yeah. um and you're gonna need the fuel to bring into the room and all that so i think it's very important and mm. you know they said if you are defined by what you are as an actor then you're gonna what happens when you're not an actor or what happens yeah. when you're not doing yeah. it yeah. so you need to really kind of take care of yourself first and i've always found that you know yeah see myself as a human being first and then then as an actor for me also as a person of color if you're if you're a black man mm. then before i was even an actor mm. um i was very much aware of what other people thought i was and what i should yeah. be and and what what i was and what i wasn't and what i should be and what i shouldn't be and if i if i were to live what people think I am, mm. I'd be in massive trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So so even before acting, even before yeah. theatre's done, as a human being, I had to learn, you know, my mother taught me very well. It's like, you need to know who you are. Mm. So if someone calls you a name in the street, that's their thing. Yeah. That's their yeah. ignorance. That's their fear. That's their anger, whatever. I need to know who I am in all of that. And I think mm. as an actor, as a performer, it's it's no different, really. Yeah. Um if someone doesn't want you, you go for an audition and you don't get the part, I need to know, okay, well, I wasn't what they wanted. Yeah. doesn't mean I'm a bad actor or yeah, it just yeah, means yeah. I was not what they wanted at that particular time. Mm. So I think you have to, you have to be very careful yeah. because it's tough. 
I did a thing where I don't know if you've ever, you've ever been on um, audition panels. I asked to be in an mm. audition panel and that was fascinating yeah. because you realise people come in and you do realise that the casting director, the director, the choreographer, they are looking at the jigsaw puzzle of it all. Yeah. So when we go in and we hear, you know, from our agent, oh, you didn't get the job because, you know, they're looking at this other actress or this other actor as well and putting you together and stuff. Yeah. You kind of think, oh, no, it's just me they didn't want. But actually, yeah. no, they are. There's a, there's a whole jigsaw going on. Mm. The, the director's trying to see the whole thing and work out, okay, this person here, this person there. And it was actually quite liberating because I was like, actually, no, it's not necessarily personal, as you say. It's like they're looking yeah. at all these other things. And it's it's a good way of kind of protecting yourself it'd be great wouldn't it if every actor could be offered just like a slot on an audition i think they should just i think they should <laughs> because you can tell the people who are not prepared yeah. the people who come the, when you come in and that person doesn't know what their song is or doesn't yeah. know, they haven't prepared you know it immediately you know the person who's done all the preparation yeah you you can see it immediately the person who sort of makes a bit of an excuse about oh i didn't blah, 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 you see it immediately yeah and i think it's actually quite it's uh I found it really useful. There's, um, have you read the Alan Akebourne book, uh, no. The Crafty Art of Playmaking? Because he has a lovely section in that, that if I'm ever teaching, I'd say to the students, have a bit of consideration for the guys on the other side of the table and think what they want to see. Mm. And I think, as you say, it's very important. There's one story that I remember on that same time when I was um, – I was. I asked Pippa, Alien, the casting director, ah, yeah. if I could sit in on the auditions. And I was the reader. She said, yeah. So I was the reader. And uh, it was a, it was the show Motown. And this guy came in. And there was quite a few weeks of auditions. Mm -hmm. This young guy came in. He'd just left drama school. He was in the process of leaving. It was in the summer. So he was just leaving. And he came in and sang this song. And Pippa said, well, we're not quite sure what he's going to be up for, but I just want you to see him, which I think is a brilliant thing that Pippa did. Yeah. She was really fighting for her actors. So this kid came in and sang this song and it was Reet Petit. I want to say Jackie Wilson song. Um, and he, and so it's a big high energy yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. He came in and he was this tiny little kid. He was probably 18, 20, maybe 19. He came in, did this song, hit this big high note. And what appeared to me was leapt singing this high note out of the door. Now, I'm, I'm remembering that kind of wrongly, but that's that's what it felt like. So while still singing this high note, and he went out, and the entire panel stood up and clapped. No! And the... I hope I'm not out of turn saying this, but the, the director was like, I don't know where we're going to put him in the show, but yes. this is going to be his first show. Oh and the kid God. came in, and he said exactly that. He said, we're going to find a place for you in this production. It yeah. makes me tear up to even think about yeah. it because it was the kid was so happy about that yeah. and I thought good for you you've made a decision about that you've yeah. said I'm gonna go in I'm gonna do this this is what I feel about this song yeah whether they want it or not this is what I feel about it and that was evident the moment he came to the room and yeah. he got the job so I was think you can't really control anything else other than what you bring into that room and uh so you know what do you feel about it what yeah. do you feel about that song? But to move it into sort of the, the rest of an actor's life, I suppose, once you get the job, obviously a lot of actors are going to be changing casts really frequently. A lot of actors, if you're working on a set, you're going to be in lots of locations all over the place. Mm. First of all, are you both people pleasers? Because I feel like that can really affect how much you feel like you have to shift your personality potentially from one cast of people to another to different working environments. Is that something that you find you do? 
and does it affect how you sort of change yourself in any way from from production to production at the moment uh i i just because I've, I've got rather a lot on, I've said to everyone, I'm going to be Mrs. Antisocial, and they've had to put up with that. I will be much more sociable um, when this very busy time for me is over. Mm. Um, I long to go bowling with the rest of the company. Um, <laughs> it's not a sense you know, like I hear you say today, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do. We, we have a, a bowling team. Um, and I want to go along and join in. Um but yes, I do have a, a I, I don't think I'm a people pleaser. I hope I'm always polite um, and courteous to people. Um, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to deviate or try and um, bend the way I am as a person and pretend that I like something if I don't, because mm. life's too short. Mm. You know, um, would you like to come and, and watch Barbie? You know what? I haven't read War and Peace yet, so no. <laughs> um, so that's the way I think of things. Yeah. But, you know, um, be truthful to yourself and then you cannot be false to any man. Yeah, that's So that's me, I, I, I guess. Yeah, and I probably did try. I think we all do at one point, don't we, mm. because we want to fit in. Mm. But um, I'm much more at ease with who I am now. And... Uh, I also have fantastic friends and they're very important to me and, and, and who I am. So that's my base, if you like. Mm. Um, I hope that I will always be a team player. I think mm. that's maybe more important than being a people pleaser. Yeah. Um, I have the added advantage that I'm a good baker, so I take care of I can vouch for that. I can absolutely See, now that's yeah. fighting that. talk because Marilyn. I'm going to need to... Well, there you are, you see. And Marilyn's brownies. <laughs> oh, I've been talking Lord. about these for about 10 months now. So um, you definitely are a people pleaser because yeah. I'm just, by the sounds of it. <laughs> Maybe I am. People, a lot I of people will be very pleased when those matinees where the brownies come in. But that's an important point because, isn't it? Because it's like you, you saying, okay, well, going out bowling and the social things, you have to, again, know yourself. Yeah. You have to know that, okay, yes, if I do that, maybe this won't happen or if mm. i do that you know i've got to go do the matinee tomorrow exactly because when important. i was with fascinating aida and this is a long time ago people were saying oh come out for a drink and i'd say if i come out for a drink now you don't get a show tomorrow because yeah. i was singing eight i was singing the top line in 18 numbers wow no and all the traveling in between yeah and you have just, to yeah and if people understand that then good if they don't then tough sorry mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no and actually that's yeah. a really important i'm really overjoyed to be in a room with two musical theatre people because this is what I always used to find is that I I'm the same I don't have there are some people who have vocal cords of steel mm -hmm. and seem to be able to yep. go out no. and not even if then I find you don't even have to drink anything if you're in a loud room and you're just trying to talk over people to have a conversation for an hour um it, I was exactly the same and I couldn't really go <laughs> out because I would find that if I didn't I wouldn't be able to sing the next mm. day um and that that can lead to some slightly strange behaviour back at you sometimes when people think you're being very antisocial or you don't want to hang out with yeah. those people. Um, how have you got vocal cords of steel? What's no, <laughs> no, very the opposite. I remember doing a show, and you know, there's people that can go out and party, and then even even more than that, the people that can come in and not warm up, yeah, and just go on <laughs> and sound like an angel, yeah. And I was like, oh my Who god, I've got to be there doing my thing. I don't. 
But uh, that's just, again, that's that person. That's not me. Mm. I've got to know what I'm, I'm terrible. Um, you know, when I started working, you still smoke and bars and things so you'd come in on the mat and then you go oh my gosh yeah. you know you had a drink <laughs> and you really feel it so immediately I was like no I can't do that that's not something I can do I've yeah. got to I've got to look after myself but I'm a real I can't I think actually I am I can be a people pleaser okay I think because do you bake no <laughs> but I don't like <laughs> I will wish but I could make I would like you as a friend <laughs> no although I, there's a point where I was like I want to get into cakes Okay. So me and my friend, I was in um, a show, and he was he he was into cakes. I was like, okay, we'll do a thing. I wasn't great at it. Okay, but I think you know you don't want to be um, you don't want to be a asshole to anyone. You don't want no. people to think that you're not not a team player or you're trouble, you're whatever. So I think sometimes because we are working with ourselves. Mm. It's not like we're in an office and we go home and we're a different person. We're, it's us. Yeah. We're working with ourselves. And so there can be a line sometimes where you have to go, actually, it's fine if you yeah. don't go bowling. Yeah. If you don't go to see Barbie. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. That's Because as you say, stuff kind of comes back sometimes. Yeah. But it's like, no, no, no. This, this is what I mm. will do and, and, and won't do. I think that's kind of important to know that. And Marilyn, you mentioned something interesting there as well about the fact that you have a group of wonderful friends who also help keep that kind of sense of identity between stuff. I imagine you have toured around quite a lot, particularly with different shows. How do you keep those connections going? Because I think a lot of actors suffer with not having, being in constant relationship with constant people in their lives. Mm. Well, fortunately, quite a few of my friends are dotted around the country. So oh, when lovely. I'm touring, I just go and stay <laughs> with them. <laughs> Yeah. Two birds, one stone. Um, Lovely. But no, it can be uh, an issue. Um, thank you, Evans, for mobile phones. Mm. Um, I also uh, am very good at sending out postcards to people. Not mm. not just emails, but, um, you know, if you're going to interesting places, and many of the theatres that we go to are in interesting places, mm. um, I love going to visit whatever is there, whether it's a, a you know, Hadrian's Wall or a local museum or something and then um send cards to my friends about it or and yeah and and just stay in touch because all friendships need to be nurtured you can't let them go and just because you're on tour doesn't mean that you're not thinking about people mm. um so yes i i i do i try to nurture my friendships yeah Oh, that's really lovely. The postcard idea, I think, is a really, mm. really nice one. Even if you're in a really boring place, I'd love to get a really random postcard from a sort of yeah. terrible corner shop. Somewhere. Well, yes, this is a very boring <laughs> place. Do not come. Yeah, to, exactly. Here is a picture of their postbox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most exciting thing in yeah. town. Oh, how about you, Giles? That's, that's something that I'm not good at. Okay. I can be not good at sometimes because um, I am quite a... Um, I, I, I'm someone who's okay with their own company mm-hmm. and um, I can be quite self-contained. Um, so sometimes it's easy for me to kind of go, I'm being in antisocial mode. Mm. Um, I've, I've kind of just been on that for the last couple of months, <laughs> couple of months <laughs> because I, had, I was working all of last year and I, and I, finished work at the beginning of this year and I thought okay I did that I'm going to treat myself to mm. some proper 
decompression time. Yeah. So I'm very happy to just go off grid and be, but actually, you know, one's friends, not everyone is like that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so it's easy for me to kind of go, oh, it's actually been a month since I spoke to to that person. So, And actually, yeah. you know, you have to, I find, like you say, you have to just maintain that and be aware of that and just, mm. um, uh, and, and, and work at it. And thankfully, I've got friends who kind of understand that or yeah. are in similar positions. So it's like, okay, we check in with each other. And, mm. But um, it can be, it, yeah, it can be, it can be easy to kind of for time to slip by. So I'm, I'm intrigued by something. Are you an only child? No. <laughs> right. Could you find no, allies, I've huh? got, no, <laughs> I have three older sisters and uh, yeah. I, have, right. um, <laughs> I was just, because um I was, you know, my father died when I was uh, very young, and so it was just me and my mum. So I'm very happy with my own company. Mm. Um, I loved lockdown, and I actually had to um, socialise, you know, make myself socialise after. And I realised then that I find being with people, it's, it isn't that I have to perform, but I'm not relaxed Mm. I'm not relaxed the way I am when I'm on my own. I need periods of when I'm just on my own yes. in order to then go out and be with other people. Mm. Um, and it isn't that I'm antisocial. That's what I need because I can't keep giving all the time. Yes. Well, that's one of the more up-to-date uh, definitions of the of introvert and extrovert, isn't it, now that it's it's less about which one you prefer and it's more about where you do your recharging. So if you're more introverted, you might okay. appear to be quite sociable and da da da, but you need some time on your own to recharge. Whereas yes. if you're an extrovert, you might well spend a lot of time on your own and be very happy, but you get your energy from going out and being with other people, um, which I always think is quite a, a much more useful way of defining those two. I also had my just my mother as well because my father also died when I was very young I got a twin sister mm. so when we just after we were born and I interesting you say that because I wonder whether there's a kind of you can grow up with a sense of um how do I what do I mean by that uh if you, especially if you're young if you're a young child and you've lost a parent you mm. can't really comprehend what that is you just know that someone sort of isn't there. So you kind of, in my experience, I would say there's a, you grow up with a sense of the possibility that people might not be there for some reason. Yeah. So therefore you have to be quite um, self-contained or sort of, you sort of protect yourself a little bit on some level to kind, and I think that maybe leads to the thing of being all right on your own a little bit, because I think it comes from maybe, I don't know whether whether there's any, whether there's any sort of truth in that. That's just my experience. Yeah. It's a sort of protection thing, which means that once I, I, I love being around people, mm. I love being in company a lot, but also I, I'm also value my own space yeah. as much. Yeah. Did you find that, Marilyn? Yeah. Mm. Yes, I'd, I'd go further. Um, it's, I suppose, the way that I found it was that the more you love someone, the more they're likely to just disappear. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um yeah. and that can make one very yeah. um uh, self-protective. I think I've got over that now. Mm. But it it's certainly there uh, somewhere yes. on the hard drive. Yeah. Mm. I'd agree with that. Not wanting to flip into the insecurity element here, but I'm going to. <laughs> well. When it comes to the insecurity of the work, um I know Marilyn you've spoken before quite sort of 
positively about your out of work time. Did you work in men's uh, toiletries? Was that your yep, in Harrods? <laughs> Yes. It's my favourite fact about you, Marilyn. Um, <laughs> oh, I've worked in um, some other pretty weird places too. <laughs> but I think it's it's really useful for people uh, to to really think about how, um, and this isn't always the case, I was going to say how fun out of work work can be, and it's certainly not always fun, but you seem to be someone who has taken a lot from the very short periods of, of life that you've not been actively working actor-wise. Yes, because I made good friends um, mm. in those areas. And just thinking about something Jane Austen said, that um, if if you're really awake and watching around you for two hours, mm. you would have enough to write about for the rest of your life. I love that. And I think that's absolutely germane to what we do. Mm. Um, it will heighten your awareness because you do feel raw when you're an actor and you're doing something you don't necessarily want to do. But that rawness will make you, I think, more aware. You'll, you'll take it in, you'll experience the boredom, the pain in your legs when you've been standing up for four hours and you can't go to all that stuff. It's very important. Yeah. Along the lines of everything we've been talking about today, really, is a sort of final question to you both. Do you think something like learning who you are a sense of identity critical thinking something along those lines should be taught more at drama school should this be part of the curriculum an attempt to really get you to understand who you are as a human even if, even before you become an actor yeah i would say so i, I mean it, uh in my experience it was kind of there anyway because you're young and you're 19 or whatever and you're 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 you can't you've got no money you can't eat you're living off baked beans or whatever from Sainsbury's it's like you're finding out kind of a lot about yourself um but I think to be if that was um sort of formally looked at I mean what we had was the kind of the conversation of 80% of you will never work great and that was kind of it yeah and and uh and a lot of it was like you're just gonna have to kind of find that out yeah um but I think actors are are much stronger than we often feel mm. like as human beings very strong like if you look at um where actors are come from historically going back greeks romans wherever you happen to be whether you're in africa whether you're in the middle east the people who are the storytellers mm. and the kind of bards and the the people who sing the songs and are historically kind of almost not too far away from the people who are the kind of healers and the yeah. the spiritual people and the witch doctors and all those kinds of the shaman mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff and those people i think are just naturally incredibly sensitive open to our senses mm -hmm. actors are good at processing our emotions on some level so even though we're in a, we're in a we're in a time where it's where we're very aware of how fragile we are as people. Mm. I actually think performers are very, very strong. Yeah. It's like you, you know, you're you're pretending to be someone else, you're saying someone else's words. There's a thousand people in front of you mm. than just you. To yeah. balance that, you could you, you know, there's there's a lot that's going on there. Yeah. 
my sister couldn't think of anything worse than standing up in front of a room full of people. <laughs> and to me and to, to us, yeah. it's like, yeah, well, this is natural as anything else. Yeah. Yes, it can be terrifying sometimes and stuff, but you wouldn't, you know, when you're there in in it. Yeah. I'm not talking about the first preview or yeah. talking about yeah. when you're in it on a good time, it's like you wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Yeah. And it feels as natural as anything else. Mm. And for other people, it isn't that. So when I'm in difficult times, I'm like, remember that something within us, which is actually really, really powerful. So I think sometimes when you're dealing with like producers who are, you know, playing around or, you know, other company members or, or, you know, people play games and like there's insecurities and stuff and someone's giving you a hard time or if they, you know, the rejection thing, yeah. they don't tell you if you haven't got the job yeah. and you're there, they're going, what, am I, what the hell am I supposed to be doing? Yeah, You can deal with it. I personally would like to, to for us to encourage actors much more mm. to to know that we're stronger than we think we are, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. How about you, Marilyn? Um, I, yes, I, I'd like to see more, if you like, uh, practical instruction on the fact that this is a business at drama mm. school Lipper are fantastic at this um everyone whether they're on the acting course or the technical courses are taught how to do a spreadsheet and they have to have a business plan mm. um mm-hmm. and where i think that connects with what you said is that actors are intensely practical mm. um which is why often if the acting hasn't worked out for them and they go into another area of business they're really good at it because exactly. they're used to making something out of nothing for no money and doing it 110%. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think if if drama schools could just take that, it, it's a that rather silly, effete image away of, oh, you know, I, I can't do sums, I'm rubbish with money. No, you have to be. You're a business. Mm. And you know what? You can do it. You know, if you're playing Einstein you'd start being good at numbers. Yeah, so yeah. Um, that's it. It's practical. It, you're not the first person in the world to have dealt with it. Um, and I think that would take a lot of pressure off actors as well um, because it's just something that we do um, and and we get on with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if they could, if, if drama schools could, could fuel that, no, you have this fantastic talent and it's been nurtured. You've got the technique and this is how you make it work for you. Mm. I think that will be a huge help. Yeah. Yeah. What did you say the other day, Marilyn? Acting is smelling other people's sweat, being good at GPS maps. Oh, and packing. Yeah. Packing. packing. <laughs> that was it. Packing. packing. Yes. Oh, God. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that, do you know what? That's an excellent place to end. Those three things, sweat, GPS and packing. <laughs> um, but thank you both so much for coming on and just giving all of your all of your thoughts and all of your experience as well. It's going to be really, really invaluable. So Giles and Marilyn, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you very much. Roll sound. Rolling. Sound production take two. So to button this episode, we're going to chat again to counsellor and therapist Fiona Macbeth. Um, Fiona... I know there are a few things that you'd quite like to pick up on from the episode. Probably a good place to start is what do we mean by identity and why is it important? Um, Well, I think it's interesting how Giles and Marilyn started talking about their own identity in terms of the roles that they played. Hmm. It's interesting tendency, I think, in the acting profession to do that because course of parts are so important but it it is equally important if not more important as 
Giles and Marilyn also identified, to have a handle on your own identity as well. Because otherwise, you can um, struggle with relationships, you can struggle with resilience, setbacks are that much harder to, to deal with, and and life generally can get quite confusing and, and you can feel quite lost at times. So it is very important. And I suppose if you try to define um, identity, and let's say up front that we all have several aspects of our many aspects of our, our identity. So it's not just one, one size fits and that's who I am. We have different aspects and they're not hopefully all available at the same time, but they are available at appropriate times to the situation that we're in. And I suppose more than anything, it's a, a combination of personality traits, abilities, likes and dislikes, experience and skills and more important, most importantly, our deepest held core beliefs, morals and motivations. Mm. That's the kind of pack that we're talking about here. And that's the thing that we hope that we do have a bit of a handle on at all mm. times. Do you have any thoughts on why it is that sometimes actors can find it quite difficult to hold on to that? Is there anything that people can do to try to hold on to a more consistent sense of who they are? I think it is particularly difficult for actors because, because of what they do and, and the stress that they're often mm. under and the demands that are made upon them to, to perform as different people all the time. Um, I think the, the, the two main ways that we find out who we are, though, is, is, is by reflecting, either self-reflection, which is the most powerful way of finding out, or opinions that reflected back to us. Now, they're the more tricky ones because if we get a really bad reflection back and we don't have a strong enough self-reflection to balance it with, that can be devastating and, and that mm. can really cause serious damage. So the reflections of other people, you know, because other people are like mirrors to us in, in trying to work out how we're doing, where we are, if we're communicating well, if we're getting through, if they think we're a nice person, whatever, you know, the list is endless. I, I think we have to to um, be be sort of quite careful with how we assimilate those and how, how much we take them on board. And um, I think it was Giles was talking about being told at, at drama college, um, you know, that he was only going to play these sorts of roles. Um, and, and that can be devastating for young performers or even older performers, for that matter, to be to be um, typecast so much. All mm. this kind of stuff without good internal self-reflection um, can chip away at the self. And I think Marilyn um, identified this, that, you know, we all need space and time to process, and that is self-reflection, mm. which, which sometimes we're not very good at these days. We don't just give ourselves time to go for a long walk and just think it through. We kind of immediately go on social media and check it with everybody else, and, and you know, it escalates. So mm. it's, it's giving ourselves time to have good self-reflection. I think it's sometimes when we feel really lost, it's worth looking at our context because it might be something in our environment which is causing this. It might be something like burnout or it might be that you're in a culture at work which contradicts directly with one of your strong moral values. 
For example, your strong moral values might be kindness and being kind to other people. And you might be in a theatre company, which is demonstrating the exact opposite. And so Mm. every day for you is a daily struggle where you're finding it really difficult to witness that. Um, So, you know, it's worth thinking about that environment. And it might be a relationship as well that you're in, which, you know, where similar things are happening, where you're you're over people pleasing or whatever, or or finding it quite difficult. You're not being true to yourself. Um, Mm. But you have to think about that context and think, well, is it worth it for what it's doing Mm. to me? I can do it for a certain length of time, but um, am I being asked to do it for longer than actually is healthy? Mm. So so it's questions like that because otherwise burnout can be the next thing. Yeah. I'm interested as well on on that note because this has come up in a few episodes. There's also a real hierarchy to this industry in terms of not just producers, directors and actors, but also actors, the more well-known they get. And we've had a few people on these episodes who are pretty well-known actors, but have found themselves small fry in comparison to even more well-known actors. And the hierarchy just within a cast, who gets top billing, who's first on the call sheet, all of those sorts of things. How does that play into this as well, do you think? Well, I think it can be devastating if you're not grounded Mm. and you're not, you're not, knowing what your values are and what's important to you. You know, they might think, actually, it doesn't matter to me. They say, you know, I've always thought this was rubbish, you know, this hierarchy thing, it just doesn't bother me. Or they might think, no, this actually, I need respect, I deserve respect, and I'm going to do something about this, you know. So so it's, it's that kind of checklist of thinking, you know, giving yourself time to actually think, oh, I feel a bit hurt about this, you know, what is really going on for me? How serious is it? And and do I need to do something about it? I think your sense of identity becomes much more important as you get older Mm. because there are so many changes going on as you get older, um, a lot of which you don't remember signing up for and a lot of which you don't like. Mm. And so it's really important that you know who you are before you see yourself being cast in a role, um, and I mean in a part but also in real life as, you know, some doddery old lady or some sort of grumpy old man or whatever and and actually you're not ready for that you know so um that knowing knowing who you are and having that that sense of self as you get older is really crucial I think particularly in a business like acting but do you think this speaks to maybe a wider uh issue about how actors define themselves and why that can then lead to difficulties Totally. I, I mean, you've got to think why you went into the profession in the first place. You like acting out. You like being someone else. So what what does that mean for you internally? Marilyn was talking about postcards, wasn't she, and connecting with people. Mm. And I think this is a really interesting aspect of this because how do you, how, you know, one of the main ways you find out who you are is how you are reflected by people you connect with, you know. And her postcards sounded a very positive connection. Which, which would help her be grounded. And this is an mm. important part of getting some sort of balance in who you are. Because mm. when you go into um, a theatre or a, a studio or whatever to play a part, it, you know, the, the, the communication and the engagements might be a little bit more bruising or brusque, shall we say. Yeah. So it's important to have good, healthy connections as yeah. well. And that's that's something 
that's very interesting to pick up on as well is just many actors will have a a lack of consistency of the people they are in relation with and to mm-hmm. um you know i to go back to marilyn as well it, it's great that she keeps in touch with people outside of you know whether they're people that she met on other jobs or whether they're people not at all connected to the industry they are people who've been with her in her life for a really long time and are the consistent mm. thing from job to job to job they're still there and i think a lot of people probably especially younger actors who are maybe taking all the jobs because they need the money and they're touring or they're on set or they're wherever they are how can people uh put things in place do you think to uh to help with that because as you say you are reflected back in the relations you have with other people and if you don't have the same or consistent people around that's going to be really hard yeah yeah I mean for the older actor um you you can think well you know if you're in a difficult situation well I'm bigger than this you know I've I've done other things I've been around a block a bit you know I've seen this before this is not going to diminish me but if it's your second, third job or whatever, mm. that is more difficult. And this is where well-being comes into it and self-care. Yeah. You know, this is this is where sort of developing your routines, doing the things that you know make you feel better, you know, whether it be yoga or controlled breathing or, or you know, mindfulness or walking in the woods or whatever. But, but making time for these things um, so that you can create balance in your life and not just expose yourself to to bruising and anxiety all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's great. Um, and I know you had some thoughts as well around sort of actors and emotional processing when it comes to identity. Mm. I th- yeah, I mean, I think it was Giles said that, you know, we're really good at emotional processing. And I'm sure, you know, most actors are. But mm. do they actually use it for themselves? I think yeah. they, they use it in terms of roles and understanding emotions going on for the character but you know for themselves do they actually allow themselves time to actually think emotionally what is going on for them um and trying to regulate emotions their own emotions as well and get some balance within that as well yeah i mean do you have any other thoughts about anything that drama colleges and trainings in general can be doing around this well more sensitivity about sort of you know how how people are typecast or or the power Mm. you know the power of the words of the tutor in things like this is immense you know for young people who don't have necessarily um the the sort of experience or maturity to deal with this kind of um these kind of comments so some sensitivity around that but but generally you know creating a culture which is is open and people are free to talk about difficult things or yeah. things that they are finding difficult. And that's just as important as the the sparkle and the, the cream mm. and the nice stuff on the top. Yeah. Well, that's all extremely helpful. Fiona right. Macbeth, thank you very much for joining us again. Thank you for listening to the ABF podcast. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, you can find helpful links in the show notes. If you would like to become a member of the ABF, support us or require support, you can find everything you need on our website, details of which are also in the show notes. Until next time, goodbye.